Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irrotundo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irrotunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd, five foot up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football, as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by my co-host James Jarvis, and we're here to unpack this week in Australian football, placing an emphasis on the future of the Socceroos. It's what this show's all about, the Soccer Who's, right? But also, we'll be talking about the frequent, the fringe Socceroos while we're here. A special welcome goes out to anyone whose dad is involved in a football club, especially if you're involved in the academy and if your dad is a lawyer, Mr. Cliff. Great to hear about the efforts that you're going to to put your son into the Australian footballing system to get him a pro contract. And... Look, I'm sure there's plenty of nepotism when it comes to Australian football. That might only be the one that's come to light this week through a random Facebook video that is doing the rounds. I mean, there's plenty of other young Australian soccer players whose parents have played for the Socceroos or played for the Matildas. So, look, it's not the first time that maybe parents have been involved when they potentially shouldn't have, James. All right, as my lawyer would say, no comment, Your Honour. Wise move when dealing with someone as powerful as Mr. Cliff. Let's get into this episode. There's a lot for us to talk about. We do have an under-23 squad to discuss that was announced for a training camp that is happening from the 20 to the 28th of March over in Italy. Also, obviously, the Socceroos squad announcement. If you haven't heard our episode earlier on in the week, we did discuss the players that we love, the players that we liked, and the players that we maybe would have gotten rid of in Graham's squad announcement. But on the whole, I'm going to give Graham's squad an A-. minus. I think it was a very good squad for who we could have picked and the situation. And there is a name in there that I'm pretty excited about. So if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. It'll be up wherever you get your podcast in the same feed. And I think a video is either published or it's on the way depending on how long editing it will take is that right james yeah that's good bit of a peek behind the veil how we do things at the soccer who's podcast there is a rule though Lachlan. if you go back and listen to it from this point you okay. actually have to come back you're you're obliged to okay come back. so if you pause this episode to go back to listen to the other one you have to come back and listen to this episode it's a rule it is a rule okay the australian podcasting commission. authority commission We'll make sure that it happens. Yeah, the the APC. It's the APAC, the Australian Podcasting Authority Commission. APAC, APAC. Yeah. I like that. What do you mean you like that? That's the name of the official governing body. It rolls off the tongue well. Yeah, APAC. okay. It just, the way you said it made it sound like you made it up just then. No, of course not. No, no, no. Couldn't possibly do that. Not on this show. Speaking of making things up as we go along, let's do something that we do every single week that isn't made up. We just talk about the players that have impressed us in the last week of football and we go around the grounds. Wow. Yeah, I thought I'd just throw the whistle in there as a way to break it up. You know what I mean? Well, it's the first minute. It's kickoff. Exactly. It's Here the kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I've done it. Uh, so, James, let's go around the grounds. 
Who's impressed you this week? Is it a new kickoff now? I'm, I'm just confused. No, there's a foul. Was oh, a... Had to retake the kickoff. <laughs> had to retake it. Okay, okay. Now, if you actually listen closely to the start of this very podcast, there is a whistle that plays at the end of the intro. Oh my goodness. And that's the start of the podcast. Or is that the, you call the players onto the pitch whistle? No, 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 no. <laughs> no this is no Sunday league thing. You don't need a whistle to call them onto the pitch. Oh, okay. Well, I thought because we were, you know, in the championship of podcasts. James, let's just get into this. Is that a booking for me now? <laughs> You're getting a yellow card. <laughs> All right. Send me somewhere. Where am I going, Lachlan? Uh, let's go to England first. Oh, tried and tested. Tried and tested. Let's go. Kick it off. Rather than agree. Another good game uh, over the weekend. He played uh, very well. Didn't get a goal contribution in a big 3-1 win against Swansea. But the reason I want to bring that up is he actually played quite well. And I think it is important to note when players play well, uh, despite maybe not having a goal contribution, because I thought it was very creative again, influenced the play in many facets. This time, this is the reason I want to bring it up. We've seen him play at 10. He was decent there. We saw him playing on the left. He was sensational there. Mm. He actually played on the right this time. So mixing it up, playing a bit of an inverted role. Drifting into the half space, and he created many opportunities. Didn't really have too many shots in goal, um, but he was involved in the play, created three chances, actually won a penalty as well. So very influential, arriving to the box and really driving at his opposition play. His cross completion wasn't great, but no one's is in the championship because they just fire in so many. But I digress. A good game from Riley McGree and continues to show his versatility, which is only going to serve him as he goes throughout his career. James, this next player, we didn't mention in our previous episode, the Socceroos squad review episode, but I think that he, based on performances, should well and truly be in the mix of the last couple of weeks. Cameron Burgess gets a goal in a big win for Ipswich Town. Huge win for Ipswich Town as Ipswich beat out Bolton, who are promotion rivals, as they moved actually Ipswich now within two points of an automatic playoff space Bolton going into this game was actually in fifth place one of the automatic spots and Fibs which it's a huge win and Burgess the goal ceiling when the second goal of the match in the 2-0 win and look best performances alone hands down should be in the team uh but the issue is it is in league one mm. so that's the only real question mark but based on this form based on his performances I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing in the championship next season as a fifth-choice centre-back option, I know you prefer them to be younger players with high potential, but I also don't mind seeing that fifth-choice be given to a player who could step up if needed to be. In a tournament, definitely. You yeah. want that. Well, yeah, he's not obviously called up, but if he continues these performances for Ipswich Town, Asian Cup is around the corner. Yep. And he's really showing that he has a point to prove. He does have a point to prove. And for me, he's probably the third choice left-footed centre-back. Uh, you'll probably hear who the second one is if you listen to that episode uh, because I featured him in the squad. But for Cameron Burgess, I think he has to be very close right now to getting the call up because the form is scintillating. Speaking of players that didn't quite make Graham Arnold's squad, Ashley Maynard Brewer, six saves, massive point. For Charlton Athletic, showcasing that he is the future of the goalkeeping ranks for the Socceroos. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, an absolutely nuts game. A huge point against Accrington, who were actually relegation rivals. So that point actually really does push Charlton 
into a more comfortable mid-table position. And, I mean, they have Maynard Brewer to really thank. Six saves, only conceded one goal, uh, despite facing 1.94 XG, which, I mean, that tells a huge story. They should have conceded two goals, really. Mm. Uh, and the XG can sometimes undercut keepers a little bit because at that level, against two XG, when you're speaking about XGOT, you're speaking about the Premier League level, right? You're speaking about the top five league level. So at this level, the XGOT would usually get adjusted to about three and a bit. So we're talking about Maynard Brewer probably saving two amazing chances. And when you go back and watch the game, three incredible diving saves as well, getting down and one actually sweeper action. So he's shown now an ability to get into play with his feet and actually cut out counterattacks before they happen. So... Big, big praise for Ashley Manlan Brewer. An insane game. And felt almost like a statement game because most of the players I would have thought would have got the call about the squad probably before the weekend. So maybe it was a bit of a reaction to say, oh, no, look, I'm the future goalkeeper of the Socceroos. Step aside, Joe Gauti. That should be me. So maybe a bit of a statement game, maybe some friendly rivalry going on. Um, finally, in England, Therese Francois on the bench for Fulham. Obviously, no match minutes, but he's doing something right. He was called back on loan for the back half of this season, and he's on the bench. What do you think he needs to do to earn some match minutes? Well, it's all about training, really, isn't it? And Premier League 2 and his performances in there. So hopefully this is a sign that senior football is on the horizon, and hopefully we see it soon. Good to see him on the bench. Probably has a bench contract option written in there, so probably got a little bit of cash as a bonus. But hopefully we see him actually play some minutes very soon. Moving across to our second home in Scotland, James Aaron Moy with an absolutely beautiful goal the other night in the game against Hearts. It was a little bit of a reunion between the Celtic and the Hearts boys. Nice little Aussie conglomerate on the pitch and pitches of Duran Kowal and Ange Postacoglu just... Two Aussie soccer cult heroes, really, of the last 10 years. On the pitch at the same time, you wonder what the words that Ange told Garang were. You do wonder, uh, but for Aaron Moy, a phenomenal performance, really. Dominated the game. He does what he does, and we've come to almost expect it. Um, because, yeah, he, he's, just a, he's just a special, special talent. He scored his goal actually in the second meeting. No, actually, Hearts played Celtic twice this week. So just just want to make it clear that he scored in the cup against Hearts, not in the league against Hearts. Bit of confusion there, maybe. The Australian boys actually didn't feature all that much for Hearts in the cup. Roll started. No Devlin, no Atkinson, uh, who both ended up coming off the bench with Kowal. Uh, and that may be as a result of their um, performance in the league because, to be frank, they were all terrible. <laughs> they got mm. pretty much demolished. But what can you expect against a uh, Celtic side? So room to grow, room to improve. To be honest, no one on the hearts played well. So it shouldn't feel too bad. But for Aaron Moy, a goal. Love to see it. And hopefully we just see him play as an advanced eight for Australia because it's clearly his best position. Yeah, I don't love our chances of that happening. But hey, stranger things have happened also in Scotland, as is Bayich. Dundee United, not playing wonderfully at the moment, but did score a goal. He did. For Dundee, as is Bayich, actually a goal in a one-all draw against Livingston, uh, playing as a left wing back. Very giddy, of course, on the pitch as well. Meh performance. 
but hey, we'll take mere performances in Scotland, right, after his start of the season. But for Aziz Bayic, goal, great performance into the Socceroos squad. Excited to see what he can build on heading into the Asian Cup. Socceroos teammate Matt Ryan over in the Netherlands, two wins this week. Also advancing past Lazio to the Conference League quarterfinals, which is pretty exciting. Very exciting. Clean sheet against uh, FC Groningen. Uh, my Dutch sister-in-law will be crying listening to this, but yes. Please send me tips. Will do. Uh, but yeah, the probably the bigger thing is a 2-1 win against Lazio, which actually puts them past Lazio. And as you said, through the quarterfinals, huge performance by Matty Ryan as well. Five saves, facing 1.21 XGOT. So really good performance for Matty Ryan. As always, phenomenal with his feet. Eight out of 17 long balls completed. Not something you see every day from a goalkeeper. That is phenomenal distribution rates. And, I mean, a leader at the back as well, as we know. So, for Maddie Ryan, great performance. A keeper, you don't ask him to do much. And he ticked all the boxes in this game, apart from the one goal that went in. Not really his fault, though. It was a good strike. But the most important thing is they're through. And could we see for the second year in a row, an Australian lifting European silverware. It's always a feel-good time when you see Australians lifting silverware, isn't it? Hey, in Germany, Jackson Irvine got an assist for St. Pauli. I mean, he's becoming quite the creative force, isn't he, Jackson Irvine? He really is. You love to see it. Um, Jackson Irvine, very much playing as a true eight right now, box to box, up and down the pitch, influencing all facets of play. Our 2-1 win against Greta Forth. Um, I pronounced it a bit Irish, I hope, because they had a four-leaf clover in their badge, so... Decided to have some fun there. Mm. It kind of pains me. But we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah, good game as always for Jackson Irvine. He, I mean, we've kind of come accustomed to it. He's going to play well. He's going to continue to play well. He's going to win the ball with his feet. He's going to win the ball with his head. He's going to create chances with his feet. And he's going to score goals with his head. It's what he does. And he's kept that going in a 2-1 win. Love to see it. File it under things that we love to see. Also, if you were to look in that same file, you would see Volpato, who wasn't called up for this Socceroos squad. Whether Graham approached him or not, we don't know. At least I personally don't know. But that may well be the case that Graham is keeping in contact with him, saying, hey, any opportunity you want, the door is open for you. I believe he's also offered the same thing or a similar thing to Sarkadi, and we haven't seen that just yet, but he remains confident that one day they will represent the Socceroos. But on Volpato, he's getting bench minutes uh, for Roma against Sassuolo, and at this stage in his career, it's great to see. Bench minutes for Roma. He's 19 years old. He played 13 minutes off the bench. No Jose Mourinho actually in this game, but no Jose doesn't mean no Volpato because he did play. And he played well. He played very well, actually. I thought he was very impressive. Good chance creation. Two passes into the final third, both of which came from a wide area. He got into the half space very well, posed good questions against the defense, who dealt with it fairly well. Uh, but he didn't really make a wrong decision at any point. You could argue that he needed to be a bit more direct considering the context of the game. He has had a record of losing the ball quite a bit in the earlier stages of his bench minutes for Roma. And it seemed for me that in this kind of a game, he seemed to want to hold possession a little bit more, which does make sense because clearly 
the reason that he has been out of the squad. He actually hasn't featured in terms of game minutes since the 2nd of February, so a bit of a gap. He was a bit wasteful. He actually started that game a bit wasteful, lost the ball quite a bit, so he came on the bench, was very good in terms of retaining the ball, but seemed a bit shackled in terms of his creative freedom, so still kind of finding the balance between the two. Good bench minutes, and hopefully he does commit because he has potential to be a star player for the Socceroos. What an exciting World Cup squad we're going to have in four years' time, or even eight years' time. If all these dual nationals do end up committing to play for the Socceroos, that's not even thinking about the fact that we have plenty of players coming through the A-League. And I'm sure in a week where maybe some not exciting football is happening, we can look at these players and really unpack what this squad might look like. You've got Robertson, Sakati, you've got Noah Skoko or Noah Skoko, you've got Paul Ocon Jr. Liam Chipperfield, if we manage to convince him. Add into the mix, Iren Kunda, the Kowal brothers, the Toure brothers. I know that we haven't... All three of them. ...had a lot of discussion around them recently. They've kind of dropped off a little bit. Josh Rawlins, oh. Segesic. Boss, Gauchi, Maynard Brewer, Billa Kapic. That's a very good future of this Socceroos oh. side if, if it all goes to plan. It's something special. It's the hope that kills you, though. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Maybe these next three players also might be in the mix in Norway, keeping in Europe. Yazbek, Daggers, and Stensnes, all playing for Viking. Got some minutes in the cup in a win as well. Yeah, really big. And it's the first competitive fixture for the season for Vikings. So to see all three of them starting is a really important thing because it shows that throughout preseason, throughout training, uh, they have been pressed enough to warrant starting, which is a big thing and a big sign of things to come. So hopefully we see them continue to start throughout the season and put in some fine form and hopefully earn a move to maybe a bigger European league at the end of the season. Let's take our adventures across the world to Asia now. Mitch Langerak, I don't think he's going to be in the Socceroos side anytime soon, but I still think he's worth mentioning on this show, just in case something changes. Six saves, what a performance he had for Nagoya. What a player. Yeah, I'll mention him briefly. I kind of feel like players probably found out before the weekend if they got selected. And maybe it felt like it was a bit of a statement game for Langerak as well. He's like, okay, bye, you're missing this kind of a performance because he was nuts, <laughs> to be honest. he It's very rare that you see a goalkeeper being with the shout man of the match in a 3-0 win, right? Very, very rare, but that's how good he was. Six saves, dominating performance, distribution on point, um, dominating from corners, claiming the ball, did everything you want from a goalkeeper, set no foot wrong at any point, really. Great game, but it does feel like it's a bit of a retaliation uh, in terms of Socceroos. I can't help but feel like it, that it has something to do with it. And I think we probably won't see him in the green and gold again. I hope I'm wrong. But with the new crop of goalkeepers coming through, it's not looking likely that we'll get a 38-year-old Mitch Langerak at the next World Cup. Also in Japan, Thomas Deng, clean sheet, taking his side into the ACL spots, the Asian Champions League spots. Whether they'll stay there, is a different matter, but a clean sheet always helps if you're a defender. Oh, no doubt. And you also have to keep in mind that he's with a team that's freshly promoted and see them flying high 
and Thomas Dane playing a key part as well in this game against Kawasaki Frontale. He was just phenomenal, really. Really influenced the play from the back. Shut out passes, extremely fast, allowing nothing in behind. And, I mean, Thomas Dang's form is sensational right now. And hopefully we see minutes from him against Ecuador because I would love to see him in a partnership with Harry Sutar, especially. I think that would be a really interesting combination. Maybe even as a, as a right back, you know. There's a lack of right backs in the squad. It could be a right back option as well. So he can also fit roles in. Heck, maybe Grand Manor will experiment because Sutar in the middle, Dang on the right, Ross at the left could be a really fun back three. Don't think it will happen, but for Dang's sake, what I'm highlighting is he's a very versatile player that can play a host of positions at the back. And his form right now, very good for club level as Japan has just kicked up and he's helped his team get into the top three spots, which is very impressive because Japan, very, very competitive league. Just briefly as well, in Korea, Lachlan Jackson, also fringe Socceroo. 2-1 win in the Suwon Derby. Decent performance as well. Yeah, very good game for Lachlan Jackson. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Left center back option. Left footed, big in the air, uh, commanding as well. He's not really a ball playing center back per se, but he will win aerial duels. He will be able to cover and defend well with the ball on the ground as well. So you'd want a more distributive centre-back next to him, which I think Sutar is. Sutar's got a very good ping on him. He can play an absolute pill to opposite wings. So I think that would be a really fun combination because Lachlan Jackson is a very good centre-back, very good defensively, very good in the air. Uh, not great passing range, but, I mean, he's a good short passer to the ball, which is what you like next to a really good distribution centre-back. So I would love to see him featuring the Socceroo squad soon. Because him, Sutar, both very big players, could be a really fun combination. Left footer, right footer. I love that. Briefly back to Japan. Nice little Japan air flight that we're on at the moment. Mitch Duke, 3-0 win. Got an assist. Got an assist. Good job. Good with his head. Love to see it. Former Western Sydney Wanderers player, playing in Japan, J2. Bit of a fun little movement and also staying in Japan very quickly in J2 Stefan Mork also got a goal former Adelaide United player so the A-League to J2 link it's quite strong it is quite strong uh, and a nice way of celebrating a call up to the soccer squad by getting an, a little assist not a goal but hey we don't sniff at assists either yeah he wasn't indulging himself in the goal he was just you know having a bit of a snack yeah Maybe because the J-Leagues have only just recently gone back. And so he's just warming into the season. Mm. He was saving his goals for the Socceroos. Smart. That's what we like to hear. Returning home to Australia. Plenty of football happening over the weekend. I think most notably, I'll go through the headlines, if you will, and feel free to unpack whichever ones you'd like to, James. I mean, kicking off the weekend, quite an exciting match between Perth and Western Sydney Wanderers. Both teams going down to 10 men. Cameron Cook in goals for Perth. Don't know if he's getting near the Socceroos anytime soon, but if he continues to have performances like that, he may well do. Last-minute winner for Perth in what was an exciting game in Perth. Then moving to Central Coast, MacArthur. Cummings got a brace. Christian Theoharis played very, very well. There was a heartbeat that was detected by Daniel Arzani. The man is still alive. 
nice to also see Danny De Silva get a goal as well. But it was a dominant game by Central Coast Mariners. Then we go to Newcastle, Adelaide, Goodwin, Class, Dorigo continues developing. Irukunda, Wonder Kid. Then Wellington, Sydney FC, Moragas gets an assist. Melbourne City, Brisbane, O'Neill, well and truly the best player on the pitch, got a brace. Jordan Boss continues to play quite well. And then just yesterday, Melbourne Victory, Western United, Noah Bottich gets another goal. James. Cameron Cook, I mean, best player on the pitch, really. Um, For context, if you didn't watch the game, Perth went down to 10 men within 60 seconds. I think it was within 120 seconds. It was very quick, though. The challenge was within 60 seconds. The red card was brandished within 120 seconds. Okay, yeah. So, either way, a very quick red card. And, uh, yeah, Cameron Cook pretty much saved the game for 94 minutes. Uh, and then McInef had a chance, got deflected, went in. So Cameron Cook deserves all the plaudits, all the praises, uh, because um, he was quite special, I would say, in that game. And just another quality goalkeeper coming through the ranks. And it shows, because he was actually just called up to the under-23 squad for Australia. Moving on, Central Coast. I mean, Theo Horace, I thought, was incredible, to be honest. Absolutely incredible. He was the creative heartbeat for that side. He is probably the best winger they've had in a while. I think he's better than Kowal in terms of current ability. Uh, Kowal obviously has some very, very special potential, uh, which is why he got all the praise he did. But Theo Harris, I mean, two assists, just created everything. Running, dribbling is phenomenal, and then has shown an ability to find the pass now as well. And it's kind of shocked me that he just kind of walked to Central Coast so easily because he is so, so good. So, so talented. And it wasn't exactly a mystery either that he was talented. I mean, there's a reason that he went overseas and was a very good youth player overseas. Never cracked the 11 um, on the bench extended squad either, but... Since come back to Australia, it shocked me that Western United didn't play him because he's the player that Western United very much have missed all season. Just a good attacking winger. Uh, campaign can give you a bit of that, but Sia Harris is special. Very special. Hold on. You say campaign? Connor Payne. Connor Payne. Yeah, campaign's a cricketer, isn't he? No, that's Tim Payne or Cam Green. Cameron Payne is a basketball player that played two seasons for the Phoenix Suns in the early 2000s. Anyway, uh, Connor Payne. Connor Payne, yeah. Connor Payne is a good winger, industrious winger, actually. Had a fairly decent game against Victory, I'd say. Good left-footed option. But Tiaharis probably would have been amazing in that squad if he was ever given an opportunity, much like Botic is incredible in that squad now that he's been given an opportunity. So, once again, A-League sides, play your young players. They will reward you. I think what is the most fascinating thing about the A-League this season for me personally is that yes, Melbourne City well and truly front runners. I think there's no doubt about that and I don't think it's any surprise that they have a healthy mix of Socceroos players in their squad as well but Jordan Boss and Aidan O'Neill weren't Socceroos players. They still aren't Socceroos players. They're in the squad. They still develop maybe not as much as Adelaide or Central Coast Mariners but they do still develop 
youngsters. And we're also then seeing Central Coast and Adelaide are also right at the top of the table. And they have a history of really giving first-team opportunities to youngsters. And it's then paid off for them because they've then been able to sell those players on. People make a big deal about City Football Group, right? And yes, they should. I don't think City Football Group, in terms of who owns them, is a good thing. I think the model of City Football Group is actually very smart and very good. But the owners, I don't think, are good. But it is ludicrous to say that they have monetary success purely because of City Football Group. They've earned that monetary success from development of players. Certain players like Luke Bratton, like Aaron Moy, a huge figure for Daniel Alzani, they make their money through the sale of players. This club, they don't really get anything handed to them. Yes, they have phenomenal facilities that City Football Group developed for them, but in terms of players and player wages, that has been created and subsidised through the selling of players. And that should be the model that everyone chases after. And that is the model that we're seeing Central Coast chase after. It's the way to go for Australia. So hopefully we see it continue to grow and spread amongst the clubs because now we're seeing clubs like Adelaide start to really embrace it. Yeah, totally agree with you. Speaking of Adelaide, Goodwin continues to be class. He's in the soccer squad and I can't wait to see him hopefully tear it up against Ecuador. Dorigo continues to develop. I feel like if he continues on this path, a soccer's call-up isn't completely out of the picture in the next couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've said it before. I think he's going to follow a very similar path to Keanu Bacchus. I think that's a very similar trajectory for him. To I think he has higher potential than Bacchus, ever so slightly, but in terms of the progression, I think that's very similar. He actually just got called up to the under-23 squad, another player that features for the Oli Roos uh, for their training camp over in Italia. Love to see it because he's a quality young player getting assist now, um, which is really impressive because he started off his youth career as a bit of a six, very good combative midfielder. Then when he first raked at Adelaide, played quite a lot of games at fullback, then has gone to eight, now back to six, and now in a double pivot with Isaias and He's a very good dynamic midfielder that can offer you a lot of things. And he's very, very similar to Aiden O'Neill, actually. And I think that's a really nice comparison because he offers you a lot of things, a lot of ball retention needs that your team has. He can give you. But he also has an affinity to play a progressive ball. He can play a vertical ball. He isn't completely overwhelmed with the idea that I have to constantly hold possession of the ball. He can be adventurous when he's told to by a coach. And... That's a really important trait when you're looking at sixes because you can't afford them to be too one-dimensional. Otherwise, you get a situation like we just saw with the under-20s. You've just mentioned Aiden O'Neill. What a performance he had against Brisbane just the other day. A brace. Jordan Boss continuing to play very well. And and both of them have been rewarded with soccer call-ups. Now, that's not off the back of just that game. That would have been in the works for ages. But... I guess their performance over the weekend, if anything, was a, hey, you were right to select me as a part of the Socceroos. The Brisbane boy causing some pain for Brisbane boys. Stop it. I mean, I know you have history of Aidan O'Neill. You got into a fight with him once on the Brisbane boys college school. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Your lawyer has told you not to say anything about that. Is that correct? No comment. 
<laughs> but back to Adelaide, as we were talking just about Dorigo, Irin Kunda and Jovanovic also playing great games for Adelaide. Irin Kunda is such a talent, scoring once again a great goal. And great to see Jovanovic get a debut goal. Yeah, love to see it. Irin Kunda, he's special, right? 45 whole minutes. He came on at half time. So the minutes are building. The start has to be imminent now. Mm. He's developing and he's earning it. People will speak about the goal. Lachlan, he had 15 out of 17 completed passes. But Aaron Kunda, this shows so much development, so much patience, uh, so much mental growth to pick out the right pass, make the right decision. Two out of four tackles won, eight recovery runs. The kid is developing so quickly in terms of how how well he reads the game, in terms of his all-around technical skills. This is really exciting stuff. He can score special goals. Yeah, sure. Going to be great for the highlights and great for the scouting reports. But the nitty-gritty stuff that he is showing to develop in terms of his pass completion, his ability to make the correct decision, his ability to make recovery around the cover on the wing, but then to when he wins the ball back, have a quick turn of pace and drive forward and, and set up a counterattack. That's the stuff special players have, and that's the stuff that Aaron Kunda is developing, and it is so exciting. Speaking of young players like Aaron Kunda, now we have 17-year-old Luka Jovanovic, who has dominated MPL South Australia for what feels like a few years now, um, whether it be at a youth level or, or a senior level now that he's been dominating. And about time, he got a call-up. His call-up was a start, and he was very, very good. Uh, wasn't involved nearly as much as you would expect a striker to be um, because Luki Ivanovic, he isn't really a target forward like Ibisuki, so he was a bit out of sorts in terms of the role he was being asked to play. I think he's more so a shadow striker. He's not really a, a true nine, so I, w- I would think of him more so as a... He's a Jamie McLaren, right? He, he wants to get on the end of balls, and he did that very well, got a goal, and a player with very high potential who... I think could be a future Socceroo. So it's really exciting to see him get a debut goal and get on the score sheet for Adelaide United. Finally, to wrap this around the ground section up, Noah Botic scoring for Western United against Melbourne Victory. Melbourne Victory's woes continue to work. They do. Melbourne Victory, um, we don't speak about them much in this pod. Uh, and that's because, well, one, they don't play many of Australian young talents anymore. Mm. Now that D'Agostino's gone. But Western United, Bodic continues with the chance he's been given, continues scoring goal. And people say, oh, it's a tap in James. No, strikers need to be in a good position. Jim McLaren does that phenomenally. No, Bodic has shown that he can do that very well as well. In a position to score a goal, it's a very important trait. But the important thing with Bodic is he's also shown he has more arrows to his quiver. And he can score in many ways. So no Botic showing as well that he has very good positioning for his age. And man, I'm excited to see this kid continue to develop because he is a special, special talent. I think it's also important to note because I know I've caught myself out being frustrated at the selection of Jamie McLaren for the Socceroos. And I think if you're a player like McLaren who just kind of seems to stat pad in the A-League. He's a great A-League striker, probably the best that we ever had in the A-League. But a lot of his goals, it seems more recently, have been penalties and tap-ins. And that's not to say that he's a bad striker. But I think there's a difference when you know a Botic and you're at the start of your career and you're looking to 
get match minutes, you're looking to score goals, and he's doing that. And he's on the upwards trajectory of his career. Versus Jeremy McLaren, who is getting towards the end of his career. He's not there just yet, by all means. But I think it's exciting when a youngster takes those opportunities and, and proves that he can emulate a player like McLaren. In fact, if you look at the stats, the minutes per goal, Botic has McLaren covered. It would be ridiculous to say that he's a better striker than McLaren because that's not the only thing that matters. But when you're looking at in the context of the Socceroos, Botic isn't ready to be a Socceroos player just yet. He's not ready to, to start for the Socceroos. He's nowhere near that. But it's exciting to track how he's going at the moment and really see that he could become a Socceroos player. He'll need to, as you say, continue to develop his game and add more arrows to his quiver so that he becomes a more versatile footballer and maybe do the thing that McLaren couldn't quite do, which is make it in Europe. Yeah. I mean, I think he could. I think he is probably European bound in the next two seasons. I think Western United have done a phenomenal thing for themselves, extending his contract because he will command a fee, I think. And I mean, a training camp in Italy could be a perfect opportunity for him to continue to show his abilities because he's also offered the under-23 squad for the late March Oli Roos camp. Well, funny that you mentioned the Oli Roos squad. Let's have a look at this squad right now. I'm going to read through the names. I'd love you just to tell us who we should keep an eye out for. They'll probably be playing a couple of training games. Whether we will get the full report from those matches remains to be seen, but some familiar names in this squad alphabetically by last name. Thomas Aquilina, Nicholas Billick-Kapic, Noah Botic, Lachlan Brook, Cameron Cook, Jordan Courtney Perkins, Louis DiRigo, Jacob Farrell, Marley Francois, Jordan Harrison, Jake Holman, Jacob Italiano, Keegan Jelicic, Alou Kowal, Lucas Moragas, Mark Natter, Callum Neuenhoff, Cameron Pupion, Alexander Popovich, Ilya Shalomanov, Trankova, Callum Talbot, Kai Truen, Nishan Volupale, and Patrick Yazbek. Some players that are familiar if you've been watching the A-League over the last couple of seasons. But James, who should we be really keeping a close eye on during this training camp? I'll keep this short and sweet. Ilya Shalomanov, Trankova, really good goalkeeper. I think when all things are said and done, we'll be up there with Ashley Maynard Brewer, Joe Gauchy competing for the Socceroos number one shirt. Moving into centre back, I would say Alexander Popovich is probably a huge name to watch. Really huge body, of course. He's played very well for Adelaide United in the A-League and is probably due for a move to Europe very soon. So really excited to see. I wouldn't have been surprised to see him called up to the Socceroos either. Uh, I think he is in contention for the Socceroos call-up because he has a lot of potential. In terms of midfielders, Louis Duraggio, we've spoken at length about on this pod already, so I won't go into too much depth around him, but also Keegan Jelicic. We've won the dual nationality battle for now, it seems, against New Zealand. He's selected to play for Australia at the under-23 level. It is a training camp, but also they are going to play in France later in the year in an invitational tournament, which is a huge developmental opportunity for these players and a huge opportunity to test themselves against the best talent. So for Kiki Ilicic, hopefully we see him continue to develop because long-term, definitely a Socceroos midfielder and definitely a European-level talent. 
Moving into the forwards, obviously, Campy Pion, really exciting young player, really exciting winger, simply electric up and down the wing. And a really good opportunity to see how he has refined his game as well. He's been decent in Premier League too. Uh, disappointed we haven't seen him break into the first team just yet. But, I mean, Brighton have been performing so well recently. It's not a surprise that their young players haven't been blooded just yet because, I mean, the form speaks to itself. Alu Kual, we know the name. We know the game. He'll be playing well. And finally, the last player I'll note, Noah Botic. We've spoken about him already on this podcast, but I'm so excited to see how he goes because when I look at Noah Botic, I look at what he's done in the A-League. He is now playing against people his age, right? Yep. I want to see an Iren Kunda kind of performance from him. We saw Iren Kunda when he was playing uh, down junior football in terms of national level, when he was playing down Shepparton for the Joeys. He dominated. Absolutely dominated. And what I really, really want to see is Noah Botic do the same. I want to see him come into this camp and dominate as a striker. Dominate on the ball, dominate off the ball, because that's really the next big thing in his career, to learn to dominate games. He's learned what it means to come into games in a burst and have a quick impact. Once he starts really dominating games and being a constant force to be reckoned with for the entire 90 minutes, that's when he's going to take his next big leap. And this under-23 training camp, in Italy, for the Oli Roos, could be a phenomenal opportunity for him to develop those skills even further. What a mammoth episode this has been so far, but we're approaching stoppage time. <laughs> Do want to mention, before we leave last week's episode, by the time it was released, I think we had just beaten Qatar 9-0 in what was a fantastic result for... 9-1. That's right, 9-1. I forgot about the one measly goal that they scored. But it was a fantastic result for the young Socceroos. And we're feeling on top of the world only to be knocked out by Uzbekistan. Heartbreak. Heartbreak in penalties as well. I mean, if you didn't listen to our last regularly scheduled podcast episode, the one that Lachlan just alluded to, we had a bit of talk about the issues that led to the result against Vietnam. And... It reared its head again. Lack of a true six. Killed us in possession. We had no vertical passing from deep because of that. Killed us out of possession because we then had to ask Sekicic and Lopane to drop deep and help defend because the six who I believe was Donald couldn't really move quick enough to cover the quick Uzbek dynamic midfielders and ended up overrunning us. They scored late to overrule our earlier goal by Popovich. So, yeah, that was really the story of the game. The lack of vertical passing from the sixth spot, uh, the lack of movement as well in shielding us from attacks from the attacking midfielders in the half space. And it really meant we were locked out of the game, um, apart from one scrappy goal. Great poachers goal, might I say, but... Until we get some true six development in our youth ranks, until good vertical passing is encouraged, until risky passing is encouraged at a younger level, where winning isn't the main thing, development is the main thing, we'll probably keep on struggling to develop quality sixes because the sixes that we are seeing come through right now are not good enough. So 
it's a very disappointing thing to go out. It also means we won't see this squad in the under-20 World Cup. So super disappointing. But there is a silver lining that it really highlights a developmental need in this nation that we have to address if we want to grow as a footballing nation. We have to develop better vertical passing, deep-lying playmakers at central defence midfield. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, six is not the only position that we seem to be struggling with in the national team. I think we touched on it in our Socceroos squad preview, but we're also looking fairly weak on the wings. I think that we fixed very quickly, though, when you look at some of the young players coming through the system. I think that was more so a blip of the early A-League adoption, uh, late NSL youth system, which is what the current players are, um, kind of at that 26 to 30 range. It was very much in that bleak period when the NSL was dying, when the A-League was just starting, where all the play was very regimented and very defensive. So we've kind of had that. And then you saw early A-League start to really take an attacking approach. And now we have players like Gorenkwal, like Nestor Irenkunda, who have grown up watching early 2010s A-League attacking football. So I think that is changing. I don't think that's a long-term issue. I think that will change with these current crop of youngsters coming through. But yeah, six is definitely an issue and is a concern if someone like O'Neill, like Devlin, like Dorigo doesn't hit and become a lock and absolute mainstay of the Socceroos long-term. We could have a bit of an issue. Well, that'll be it for this episode. We'd love to know your thoughts. We don't want this just to be a one-way conversation between James and I. We'd love to know your thoughts. So get in touch with us via our socials at SoccerWho'sPod, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, or via email, SoccerWho'sPod at gmail.com. That'll be it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening right until the end. And until next week, enjoy the football.